0: Welcome to the Diving Pod. Uh, I'm Jen Leeming, the Diving Coach for Edinburgh, Scotland, and Great Britain.
1: And I'm Heath Calhoun. And I'm Aaron Rooney. And as always, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Sideline Scout. Actually, this week, I introduced the Sideline Scout viewer app to my kids for the first time, and I just had them download it on their phones. And I don't know why I had been not uh, having them do that before, because I would download them on my iPad and then disperse them to their um, phones whenever they would do a good video, but I just say, why don't you guys download this viewer app? And it just takes a whole lot less uh, time on my end as a coach. And I can just do my job on the pool deck coaching. If we clip a video, I say, all right, remember your video is number one sixty eight. When we get done with practice, open up your viewer app, you get to download that video and it's done. Uh, that's one of the greatest things about this clipping feature of sideline scout. You can get all your videos at the click of a button, and you don't have to waste practice time recording a screen or anything. You just click the little button and it's there sitting for you for the end of practice. So it's super, super helpful. Um, also, Diving 101 of the Diving Pod is episode two. We've been told that it's very helpful from a parent's perspective on learning the numbers, the letters, and how to score points for our sport.
2: Awesome. So, Coach, just kind of jumping in here, why don't you just take our listeners through your journey in the sport of diving, maybe how you got started and how you got to where you are now?
0: No problem. Um, so I started diving after doing gymnastics for a while. So my gymnastics coach was actually doing gymnastics coaching for the diving team in Leeds where I first uh, learned to dive. Um, so she sort of suggested that I should try a bit of diving as well at the same time. It would like work hand in hand. So I was like, yeah, cool. Um, So a friend of and I actually both went to a very small local pool that had no diving boards. We literally dived off the poolside and my coach sat on a table and we jumped off the table. Uh, So that's sort of how we uh, set off and uh, things started, which is really cool. And then they ran like summer camps at the big pool in Leeds. Um, and then I sort of was like, oh, okay, I'll jump into the big pool and try stuff there. And obviously that was a lot cooler and a lot better because there was a lot more diving board options than a table. Um, so then I was hooked from there as a diver. So that was like 12 years old I started diving. Um, and I really loved it. Like I loved training and um, the competing bit of it. I was good some days, not good. The other days I was never consistent, uh, but I loved training. Um, and I loved that adrenaline feeling. We all know that comes with diving like that, like pushing your limit, feeling a bit uncomfortable, but pushing through it, using your teammates. So that bit of it for me was a huge attraction. And um, when I was 18, I decided to go to uni. Um, so I went to do applied sports science at Edinburgh Uni. So I moved from Leeds up to Scotland. And um, Where I moved coach as well. Uh, I moved to Steve Gladding up in Edinburgh and it was an amazing opportunity, a real good sort of chance to learn a different coaching style and be in a totally different environment and test my skills there. So again, I got to like a decent level in diving. I was never the greatest diver in the world, but I didn't mind trying new things. And as I said, I, the, the training bit was great. Um, And after a year in my first year at university, my coach left and moved to Southampton and basically said, I think you'd be a great coach. Uh, Here's a group of young kids, you should take them and I'm going. And I was like, no, okay. Uh, So I quit diving at that point and I took on this young group. And and yeah, it was an amazing experience from that point on. And uh, I've sort of been in diving since then, sort of started, with like a group of they were like nine like well they were a mixture from like seven to nine at that point and then obviously I did everything coaching everything because you have to and diving you have to coach the masters you have to coach the adults you have to coach the lessons kids and so I did a bit of everything and um, but my like talent group was my sort of the, that I was really invested in and um, and then yeah so through British diving I just sort of rolled with some of those divers into some of the programs and the pathway there.
1: Very good you uh you mentioned you weren't always the most consistent competitor. What were some of the things that you did as far as competition strategies to maybe help yourself get better? I actually have a young lady who's very similar. It sounds like loves practice, lives for practice. As soon as the lights are on, it's like a little more nerves. And sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's just like, oh, I've seen it a lot better than that. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, And I think it took me a long time because I was so in my head about it that I didn't really think of strategies. I was just too busy worrying that I wasn't going to be able to do it uh, and compete. So then I tried to like go back to like, why am I doing this? Like, what what am I actually here for? Uh, Like then to help that sort of be the reason I was there rather than focusing on, oh, we need to get a medal or I need to come first or I need to like get in the team or whatever it was. So I really tried to focus on like, I'm here because I really love diving and I love the people that I'm here with. So let's focus on that and let's enjoy this for that. And then if that then means that I qualify for something or I do well or whatever, then that's great. Um, but I really tried to boil it back to that. Um, and that definitely helped me. I also used to sing a song in my head to try to distract me from um, so like thinking about, oh, God, this dive's going to go wrong. I can't do this dive anymore. Um, so, yeah, so I used to yeah, try little things like that. Um, and again, I'm big on friendship. So I'd have someone that I trained with that didn't mind talking through an event with me um, so that I could like distract talking to them if it suited them um, and sort of play that into my routine. Very good. I love that. Um, so can you describe your role as diving
1: performance coach and how that coincides with others on your coaching staff?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the diving performance coach in Edinburgh, but I have a remit in Scotland and I work on the British team too, but if on the local level, it's more Edinburgh like day to day. So my job is to coach the performance divers, but also to manage the Edinburgh diving program, which ranges from the beginning to the to the master's end of things, the adults thing. So it's a huge like sort of umbrella over diving in in Edinburgh. So I guess my important thing is to coach the former divers to be the best that they can be and then working with the other coaches in the program to upskill them on their knowledge. So things that I might learn from going on the international circuit or from being at conferences or clinics, and then sort of like passing that information on also like trying to give direction to the program and the coaches on where are we going? Why are we going there? What are we doing and why are we doing it? What do we want to see? Um, and also then you know coming back and like rewarding them for things I've seen that I think looks really progressive and, de- and developmental Um, so using like yeah my knowledge and experience to sort of encourage and develop the other coaches is a real big thing and I also have another like there's a couple of other girls that work in the management team with me and it's using their strengths as well uh to sort of use that as a team to work with all the coaches
2: well well you pretty much uh seamlessly have led into this next question but How do you collaborate with those coaches on the ideas, the things that maybe you're struggling with to get information from them?
0: Yeah totally so I'm big on like thinking things out loud so you know often I'll come back up from a pool deck and I'll be like ah I cannot get this change like I can't do it it's doing my head in I don't know where to go with it um, and I'll just say it out loud exactly as I see it I'm not scared of what people might think about oh you should know that or whatever whatever these things don't bother me so like in the office we'll just sort of sit there and I'll say what I say and uh, and then the other coaches will just jump in with either they'll have shared that experience and then, like, if they've had an outcome that's better than mine, or if they're also just still struggling, and we should all just go away and look at different answers and come back together again. Um, so I'm also a big one for like podcasts, reading books. Um, I love scrolling through Instagram and through like YouTube and like looking at things and trying to like find answers. I hate not having a solution, so I will never rest until I have a solution to something. And uh, so that's a real big thing for me and definitely the coaches I've got in Edinburgh, but also then the coaches I've got on my bigger network, like it's so important. You know, you had Katie on a while back, and she's a, an incredible friend of mine. And I'll reach out to Katie and be like, oh, I'm doing this. I need your ideas. Like help me out here. Or my other friends in Great Britain that are coaching at the same level, just talking it through with them. like, talking through what you're going through often helps you because they're going through the similar thing, but equally then they might have tried something that you haven't quite yet. And, and I, you know, I find, yeah, like basically talking it out for me is the biggest help.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like, go ahead. I was, I was just going to
2: say like, I love that. I love that you've created an environment where ego is kind of thrown out and it's like, Hey, we're all just trying to improve. Um, and I think that, I mean, I can only speak for myself. When I was a younger coach, I was really nervous to like ask for help and say, this is what I'm struggling with. Cause you almost feel silly or stupid. Like I should know the answer to this. But once I like got through that phase of coaching and I'm like, I don't care if I sound silly or dumb. Cause at the end of the day, the goal is to find the answer for the athlete. And as soon as I was able to put my ego aside and throw it away and be like, "It does. I don't matter anymore. All that matters is how do I help the athlete? And I just think, the fact that you have that environment with your coaching staff and your network of people is just, I think it's one of the most valuable things coaches can strive to have as a network of trusted people they can go to and learn from. So I, I love that you do that with your staff.
1: One, My next one here is what would you say is the most difficult and also the most rewarding part of coaching at a high level?
0: Yeah, This is a great question um most difficult i think more now than ever before like everyone has got other things in life other problems other issues other just stuff going on and that's a lot to manage as a coach you're trying to work on the technical stuff you're trying to really focus on the like you know improving their ability to dive but then if you're not improving them as people or helping them as people you won't improve their diving anyway because they won't be focused enough to improve their diving so I think, yeah, the most difficult stuff at the moment is like really helping them and like getting into those bits and like being available to help them whenever they need help. Um, and, you know, if you've got a big team, that can be a lot of effort and it can be a lot of like emotional energy from you too. Um, so I think that's probably definitely the most difficult thing I have to do with like the high performance and it's absolutely worth it um but it it does take a lot of time a lot of effort and um, a lot of focus and um, and I guess like the most rewarding part uh I mean it has to be those moments where you achieve the goals that you've set yourself and that they have set themselves and mm-hmm. you can genuinely sit back and like breathe for a minute and be like wow okay like that was cool we achieved it and I think I'm better at doing that now than ever before. Like I previously wouldn't really do that. I'd hit something and I'd be like, great, we finished, move on next thing, let's go, let's go. Uh, And I would never spend time enjoying those moments. And I think it's only when you've had moments when they haven't gone to how you wish they would have gone that you realize, why didn't I enjoy it when they did? (laughs) And why didn't I take that moment to really enjoy that? Because actually right now I'm not enjoying what I'm feeling uh, and I'm really sitting with this. So why don't I sit with the bit when I've like achieved something and it's gone well and and I'm I'm in a great place with it. So yeah, I'm really trying If something has gone well. So like a competition result or, you know, I wanted to get eight divers to go to the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. And I've done it okay amazing sit with that for a bit let's just think like oh my god we've increased the capacity and the size of scotch diving so much that the team size is now like just hugely evolved Uh, that's amazing sit with it and enjoy that moment so yeah those things when you hit your goals and you let yourself like love it
2: that that's great advice that is like absolutely great advice because I sit here and I feel sure Aaron can relate to that of like oh you know his athlete did well at states last year and it's like the next day he's talking like, okay, this is what we have to work on. And it's like, we should definitely just learn to like appreciate the moments that we get because you don't get a lot of them. So when you get them, take advantage of them.
1: And to add to that, I just got done watching untold swamp Kings on Netflix. And uh, (laughs) I had that same feeling as I'm watching urban Meyer. He just won a national title. Florida Gators were rolling and you know, he didn't even take a, a single minute to celebrate what they had accomplished. The Florida Gators were, A program that was kind of they'd fallen off the map and now all of a sudden they won a national title and he's in the locker room the guys are celebrating and he's like okay now let's do it again next year and it's like you know what it is okay to celebrate those those monumental times that happen and enjoy it because it doesn't happen every year as much as you want to and think that you can have that happen it just it, it doesn't yeah
2: yeah so coach let's just talk a little bit about your process as a coach so Um, you know, when something's a little bit off and you notice it and it continues to need attention, maybe someone's takeoff isn't the best or their connection or their square out. What does that process look like for you as a coach when you watch it? And then how do you find the correct way to communicate that to your athletes?
0: sure like um my biggest thing first would be to watch it over and over again to make sure that it isn't just a random sequence that's occurred so it'll always flag in your mind so if you coach divers day in day out a couple sessions a day like you know you know their pattern of movement you know how they move so then you'll suddenly see something you'll be like that's not right or that's not that's changed or you know that's not where you know I'm always working to try hit this pattern in my head and then that's not on that pattern Um, so okay why is that there and like where's that coming from so once I'm sure that it is something that's uh, a deficiency say, um, and I'll often just ask them question like what are you feeling on that like what like where are you like where do you feel that your arms have got to where do you feel like your hips are under like your chest position like what are you feeling and get them to explain to me what they do feel because often they don't feel what you see Mm. and some do some are really self-aware and that they're the most amazing people and easy people to work with yeah Um, some people think oh yeah I've definitely got my arms right through there and you're like nope (laughs) they are not right through um so it's like trying to make sure that what you're seeing and what they're feeling aligns first and if you need to use probably video to help Mm that for some people so then like having some sort of video feedback to sort of you know, draw the arrows get the positioning and be like okay this is what we're aiming for here and um, so and then I would like yes yeah, sit with them and talk about if they understood why it was important to have that as a technique or that as a position and um, and then try then let them have a go again you know let them go do a few reps of it and like keep trying and like only coach that it's very easy as coaches then mm-hmm. to be like oh I just coached a rip now actually uh, and like no 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 it was about the takeoff like focus on the takeoff yeah so, so yeah, like really focusing on like coaching that point to them, and then if they're still not quite getting it, then I would go into the dry land and be like, right, these are the drills. Let's hammer these drills, and um, these are the things I think are gonna get this right for you. You know, it could be taking the arm swing off. It could be add add you know weights to an arm swing. It could be all sorts of things you could try if it was talking about the takeoff particularly and, yep. um, and then, you know, do that for a block of time and then be like, right, okay, let's go back and have an assessment day again, like in a few weeks time and let's assess whether that's improved or not. Um and, you know, you'll start to see over time actually if it's improving or not, but I think, if it's that important, then you should really make that the focus. Uh, so if it is a takeoff position, that often is really important, especially at the beginning of the season. So like just make that the focus, like hammer that home, because mm-hmm. if you don't get it right now, then you ain't going to get it right when you come to the biggest meet of the year. And um, so, so yeah, so I would definitely that's probably the sort of sequence of events that I would go through, but continually checking in with the athlete and like are they feeling different are they more aware of it now and then often as you do that they'll become more aware of it and they'll be like oh yeah i felt at that time totally felt that time You're like great okay cool because feeling the mistake makes it a lot easier to fix the mistake
1: right yeah so
0: so this next one i, I kind of have a theory and i'll share that
1: after you answer so i don't try to influence anything as far as when you answer this one but if we look grand scale like across the world what would you say are some of the biggest differences between diving in the United States and diving
0: where you're at? Yes. Yeah, this is a really topical question, actually. <laughs> We've been uh, discussing a few like deficiencies in British diving recently and like trying to think about, well, like, What can we improve? Where can we make these gains? Um, And one thing I've been considering actually is like the American collegiate like uh, competition season. Like talking to Kaylee, she's like relentless with her competitions. You know, it's like, it's like, go, there is no pre-season, like you just compete. Um, And that's so different to Great Britain. Like, you know, we would really like train through September, October, November. uh, And there's no competitions really. You might do like a club meet that's like low level required or like, uh, you know, really simple stuff. And I guess actually thinking on it in terms of the British system, that would really benefit some of our athletes because they're not so good at competing. Um, So actually having more competition exposure, I think that's a big difference between the two countries. Um, And I think there's a lot to learn for Great Britain from that. And I think equally so like, you know, the British system is obviously a lot smaller Um, it's a lot smaller country. It's a lot smaller, uh, like cities involved in diving. Whereas you guys, it's massive. There's so many cities, so many clubs, so many coaches, like it's really hard to bring those people together. Um, yeah. And in Britain, sometimes we struggle, but actually we more often than not manage at some event to get the majority of people together. So I think there's a real good collaboration within British diving on terms of like, what are we doing? Like, what skills are we aiming for? What is the desired, like, uh, way of making a dive um, th- the technique like what are we looking for here so there's a lot more collaboration there whereas I think obviously looking from the outside in like it from American diving I can only imagine how hard that is to get together and like everyone agree and everyone sit in a room because there's just so many people uh, involved mm. in that process and um, so I think that again has to be a huge difference and um, yeah I think those for me are like the biggest ones
1: yeah. And and that second part was exactly what I had envisioned in my head. Just again, I'm on the other side of the outsider looking in on this perspective, but it does look like I use the word cohesiveness. It looks like there's a, a, a true here's step one and here's how you get each step of the way to z and in in the united states there is so many different ways to even start in diving you can start at a club program you can start at a high school program you can start with no experience at all and you were a gymnast in high school and you're at this college and they say hey we need a diver would you be willing to at least try a brand new sport without any experience and so that cohesiveness that i that i see it just seems um, really conducive to learning and getting things correct eventually um, to be at that highest level where I think in the United States, there's a little bit more, I guess, like creative freedom. Um, But I did like what you had to say about the competition aspect. You know, we are always competing and that's very apparent. And if I'm being honest, I think sometimes um, at least in my high school setting, I think we're competing too much but i i really like what you had to say as far as you know you you learn a whole lot more when you're under those bright lights under a lot of pressure and how do you handle that pressure if you don't have quite a few reps under your belt you don't really know and so i, I really liked what you had to say there no, one of the,
0: my best memories and like most obvious differences between british and American divers. Was we were at a meet in Rostock just before COVID, and there was an American boy. I cannot remember his name. I wish I could. Um, I can't remember who it was exactly, but he was doing like a hurdle reverse on three meter, um, and like the British. And I'm talking stereotypes here. I'm not talking every single person in America and Britain being this person, <laughs> uh. But like it was, you know, British people are so reserved, so like you know, don't want to stand out, like don't want to make a big deal, like just want to like get through this and like you know. Uh, there's a certain level of arrogance i think comes with british people generally but they're not like outgoing um whereas the like, americans i think in general are very outgoing and very like um you know pumped and like you know really give it everything and they're like much like i think louder than british people in general um and there was this boy he did his reverse and he got like he took off and he spanned fast and he landed flat like absolutely landed flat on premier. um and we were all like oh my god is he okay like jesus like worrying about him and then he came up and he said coach, that was the best takeoff I've ever had. It was amazing. Yeah. And like, he was like, so thrilled, so pumped, like absolutely awesome, like delighted with this takeoff that he'd finally got right. Absolutely didn't, didn't know how to come out of it at all. But was like, and I was like, oh my God, and a British person had done that. They'd been so mortified, so embarrassed. They would have swum underwater, never come <laughs> up, never spoken. Like, and it's those things, I think in character uh, that is so different. And equally, I think with the competition thing, I think that's where I think British people could really learn is like, how can we bring out our Americanness in a competition? Because how can we be confident and like, me, yeah, look at me, watch me die. Um, because I think, yeah, British people naturally can shy away from that in terms of just how we're brought up in the culture. I'm not saying everybody, just the majority. I think well, that's a very fair generalization. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I would not
1: argue with you at all. And if I'm being honest, like I kind of coached that at least with some of my girl athletes, my female athletes, they need a little bit more confidence when they're on the board, you know, and my boys don't really struggle with that, but the the girls definitely need that reminder. Hey, this is your show time. Here you go. Let's show everybody what you've been working on.
2: Yeah. Well, I just love the fact of that story. It's like, man, how comfortable is that athlete with that coach to know? Like, yeah, it went bad, but the best part of the, the dive was the fact that something went so right. And so I'm like, man, the ability to be at a meet at that stage and pull the good versus the really bad that just happened. <laughs> I think that's awesome. We try to do that with our college athletes. It doesn't always go that way. I have one kid on my team that would do that. And he'd be like, that felt awesome on the start. And he, I can picture it's Zach, Zach would have been like, it did not feel good on the end though. And I'd be like, no, it didn't. <laughs> but, um, you know, coach, I, I, I actually believe Yona brought it up with us um, a little bit with getting creative with drills. Um, You know, it seems like through your posts, your team's posts, your athletes, you work with posts, it seems like you guys get really creative with drills in the water, with drills on dry land. You know, what are maybe some of your drills that stand out to you that have actually helped your athletes the most?
0: Uh, I mean, this is absolutely one of my most favorite things to do as a coach is like, let's, let's think like, what can we do different? Like, what can we add in new? What, cause it can be so samey, samey. And um, yep. I love, I love planning. I love organization. So I have my workouts written. I, you know, I have my, my dryland sessions written. Like I have this book full of workouts for the dry land and if I did that every day of every session with all my senior athletes, they'd be like, okay, I'm really, really bored. And you know, they do still say that at this moment, but then if I can add in every so often something like, different that I found from scrolling and from researching and um, then I love it so I do try to go out there and think what would be relevant because it's got to be relevant yeah. so yeah it can be fun every so often and it's a game it's different um but you know most of the time if I'm adding a drill I want it to be really relevant so I'll be seeing something in the pool that I'm like oh that's not working we're not getting that right like let's go look um so I'll set myself a little task and I'll go away and have a little research um and I think one of the ones that actually really helped me and it was a, like a back arm stand uh, twist drill I was trying to get right for one of my divers and um, she was struggling learning the drill she couldn't get it in her head she couldn't like you know the handstand or the flick or the twist like I don't know I, I can't get my head into this um, and she, I knew she'd do it but she was struggling to get her head into it so it's really hard to do it if your head's like mm-hmm. saying no 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 air brakes yeah. break 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 um so I'd seen some I think it was a Canadian coach post it and it was like off a block on a trampoline like with in a rig like the flick twist and um like you rigging that so then I had to like slow-mo how do you how do you rig that like how do you get off the hands like how do you do that because i would never done it before I actually saw Melissa Wu post something very similar recently uh, I I just saw that one too yeah so that was very similar to that but it was off a like a soft plyometric block on the trampoline um so that was like one thing that i really liked and it was really helpful for that specific drill um but then i think in the majority like a lot of stuff i add is from like gymnastics um and like looking at gymnastics posts and like going through conditioning drills like okay i'm really trying to work like core and like being able to control your rib movement so like if i look at their drills that they're doing i saw one the other day she was sort of laid on the floor with a upper body like looking at the roof but upper body on a BOSU uh, and she was sort of doing like almost like a to me it like a bat dive pike come out drill but over a BOSU and like you know it's a good arm action and I was like great that's a new drill I can add that in I haven't added it in yet so surprise to my divers next week uh, <laughs> when I start bringing this one in but like I think there's so much out there that if you look at it with open eyes you can see a way to adapt it to make it work for diving and yeah that's definitely one of the biggest things that I love about coaching for sure. Um, We're going to segue a little bit. Uh, how have your parents
1: played a role in your diving career? Interesting. That how,
0: yeah. So my parents are like, I mean, I'm from Yorkshire in Great Britain, and they are so Yorkshire. So they just do whatever they, you know, they were like very... Like I you know, behind me is whatever I wanted to do, like in coaching and in like my sports. Um they would take me there, they would drop me off, they would pick me up, they would feed me, they would like give me money, whatever I needed to do those things. But like they were they sit back, they just totally step back. Um like I'm very independent and I have been very independent from that, I think. Um, you know, I almost was like, No, I don't need you to do this, I've got it, like it's my thing, it's my sport, like just let me go. And they just totally we relaxed with that and like just let me do it as I said they gave me the tools so I could make it happen um but absolutely step back you know some days you don't want to talk about diving because it was not the session that you enjoyed um and they would respect that and I'd sit in the car and be like nope <laughs> I would just be like let's not talk about that um so they were I think they were really respectful of that and I do think the way they were with me and my sport actually made me so independent early on in my coaching career um and my diving career so um so yes yeah, so I guess they're and yeah they weren't that like involved in my diving but they helped me in terms of becoming more independent
2: perfect um now coach in what area when you look back do you think you've grown the most since the beginning of your diving career
0: um so i mean absolutely technically like you know you start diving and your technical <laughs> knowledge is awful. <laughs> um you know and then I don't know what it's like in American diving but British diving the coaching models like you have to go through the qualifications poor <laughs> um so uh, so like that side of things I think has been a huge development and I have every year sought out opportunities for development and growth um but the other side of things I think being confident is a real outside of like non-technical skill that I've learned and developed so I'd sat since I was 18 in a room full of Olympic coaches from British diving and like listened and listened and listened Uh, and like not being confident to speak up at first, like too scared, like definitely not speaking up in a room full of Olympic coaches, but I'll listen uh, and I'll take this all in. So I'm ready when I'm Mm -hmm. ready. Um, But there was one coach, Andy Banks that used to prod me and like make me answer questions and be like, push me, push me to like say and have an opinion. Uh, And to be honest, I think that was the making of me, like being in those scenarios, having someone like push me out of my shell earlier than I wanted to come out of my shell. Um, and I yeah, I hated him for it at the beginning. And I really did. I was like, oh no, not Andy again. Um, but I think that has genuinely put me in a position now where I could sit and talk diving and be totally comfortable with my opinion and not be embarrassed by getting it wrong or not knowing or whatever. Like, yeah, this is what I think. So that, that's kind of it. And now I'm happy to listen to you and I'm happy to figure it out.
1: Yeah, I parallel that a lot. It was nice to hear uh, of, you know, a person of your stature that you all you, you also came from a similar beginning, just listening, observing, and now here we are. Um, what's your favorite diving
0: memory? Um, um, I have so many little things in my head that pop up when it comes to diving memories. And, you know, we were just waiting Europeans in Croatia and we were talking with the coaches. And I can remember certain divers doing certain dives as clearly as if it happened yesterday, and it could have happened fifteen years ago. Um, so like I have so many little things like that, um, in my head. But I guess uh, my first athlete to qualify for the Olympics was Grace Reed. Um, she used to dive in Edinburgh, but now she dives at Dive London. Um, and I remember being at the Olympic trials with her in Sheffield, trying to qualify for the Olympics with her. Um, and you know your heart's beating out your chest, but you're trying to look totally cool and calm about it, like. Uh, and, you know, you're, you're, you are that duck in the water, you know, your legs are like yeah. paddling mad and but your upper body's like, it's totally cool, we've got this. <laughs> um, uh, and like, yeah, that feeling like, of like watching a last dive hit, seeing the score and knowing that that was it and it was done. Yeah. Like that for me, that feeling, that sensation, I think it will stick with me forever because it was like the first. Um, and yeah, like just knowing that you've helped someone like achieve that dream, their goal, like that is just awesome.
2: Absolutely. Now, these next ones are just kind of more fun <laughs> questions that have been prompted to us from previous uh, interviewees. Favorite food?
0: Um, anything Thai. Thai green curry, anything like that.
2: All right. Favorite music?
0: Oh, my God. I love so many genres of music. Um, But right now, I'm really into, like, my 90s R&B.
2: Nice. That's a good oh, one.
0: All right.
2: All right. Pet peeve?
0: Um, lip smacking when you eat.
2: (laughs) Oh yes, that's a good.
0: I blame my I blame my flatmate at uni for that. She it was her thing, and then because she said it so much, I became really aware of it, and then now it's my thing.
2: Nice. And then fun fact that maybe few may not know about you. oh
0: and this is a great question as well. Like I've been asking my divers this when I've been meeting them on the trips we've been going on recently. Like tell me something I don't know about you, Mm -hmm. and now I've got to think of my own one. Um. i I, I have four children
2: all right i have a follow-up because my wife and i just had our first child how do you with four children manage that balance of being great at your job but being a great mother and great parent to those kids
0: i think the biggest thing first is knowing what you're doing and why you're doing it and have that set in your head so that when you're tested and you're unsure and you're feeling guilt uh, that you know why you're doing it and you've agreed it um and being really open with your partner uh, about that like this is what i'm doing this is why i'm doing it and like, i think for me okay listen to Kate the other week talking um when she did her interview with you and she was talking about family as well mm-hmm. um like getting that balance right is really really hard and I find like, if I'm at a competition, I don't want to be worrying about my children. So like making sure that I've got everything set for them and my partner so that when I'm away, I know who's picking up and who's dropping off and who's taking to gymnastics and who's going to nursery and like what happens if there's someone kicked out of school or nursery who's doing that so if those things are set then I don't need to be looking at my phone at an event being like oh crap like I need to sort this out yep. Um so um so yeah so I find like having those plans in place like the biggest thing um and like your divers they'll know that you've got kids yeah. as well so like like I don't like bringing my kids to diving all the time, but if they're there like embracing that and letting them be around and let them be interested, like my divers yeah. know, my, uh, my kids know my divers names. They'll talk about that and they'll talk about like, you know, what's Yona doing? What's James doing? Um, is he at that meet? Did he get a medal? Like, what did they do? Like, so, um, so yeah, I think trying to find a way of bringing them in, but for me not bringing them in so much that I'm distracted or worrying about it. Yep. Um so it's the biggest thing, but yeah, being open and communicating with your partner and like, the best organization you can manage, um, as well when you're away. So you, the guilt isn't
2: as bad. Perfect. Thank you.
1: Well, all right. So we're going to get into our signature questions. We ask everybody these set of questions. So my first is what we don't treat failure. Like it's a bad thing. We treat failure just like an opportunity for growth. So from that perspective, what would you say is your favorite failure or your best opportunity for growth?
0: Yeah, no, I love this. I'm all about this mindset. Um, you know, let's do a post, post-mortem and let's not blame anybody. Uh, let's go, right, well, what did we get wrong? But that's fine. Like, What can we learn from it? Um. So I think actually the, last year we had the Birmingham Commonwealth Games and we got to a point where there was eight divers qualifying and we'd all last minute qualified and it was all like tied to the line and we only had one coach Um. and we probably needed two. <laughs> we did need two. There's a lot of people to manage on your own. Um uh and i think you know that for me was like i failed in that i should have picked up on that earlier and i should have pushed that as an agenda earlier to like the governing body um and i now would make sure that i would thought forward saying what happens if i did get eight people to qualify <laughs> like not rather than waiting till i got them to qualify and then be like oh man this is a lot to handle and um, like really sort of like thinking ahead like that so i guess th- that for me has been a good growth point um and it wasn't like damaging in any way you know it wasn't really a failure and that we got there in the end but it just wasn't the seamless way it could have been done
1: yeah absolutely so the next one here what are you doing to improve to get to even yet the next level
0: yeah, this is something I think all coaches should be really aware of on anyone in any job, actually, is like, like every year. Can you pick something that you're going to do that's going to develop you in an area that you think you're lacking in or you think you could be even better at it? And um, so I do certain things like last year I was on a female coaches high performance group in UK sport and I was a mentor um, for that. So like working with other coaches and like learning from them, but also like passing my experience on. So that, that for me is another good thing, like working with other people. Like diving coaching is working with people. So like, if you can challenge yourself and expose yourself to other areas and like work with people, like it's a really good learning about you and how they relate to you and how they understand you and what they see in your coaching. So that's one thing that I always think is a really good thing is just find something every year, because it's really hard when you've got a busy calendar and children at home, but like find one thing every year that you can do that's new and, and a development opportunity and like make it happen. Do not accept finishing that year even if it's december And you're like oh god i haven't done anything yet like find something that you can sign up to and you can think right that's great i've done that now
1: and what is that for you this year
0: and so this year i actually just came back from croatia as head coach of the junior europeans team and i've never been head coach of a team before so you're not directly coaching an athlete you're just like overseeing the whole like the team the athletes and the coaches and that was a huge experience for me. So it's like, you know, it's really different to sitting there coaching divers and feeling that reward. Um, Cause it's totally different. Like you're basically trying to do little things to help everyone else achieve their goals. Um, uh, so yeah, that was a real developmental experience to me which I enjoyed, but initially did not enjoy. Um, Cause I was like, oh, I wanna just coach. I wanna just like speak to these people. And I, uh, Whereas like actually thinking, right, what are my strengths? What can I add here? what do people need from me? So like knowing what the other coaches and the athletes need from me, like understanding, you know, what the athletes were nervous about or like things I could sort of like speak to them about in their ear and be like, oh, you're really great at this. I've just seen you like push that board like an absolute machine. Like you're so strong. Like, you know, like thinking those little things that like you think, right, okay, if that'll get you to the start line and be in a better place mentally, I've done a great job. Um, So yeah, that was the thing I've just done. And uh, yeah, it was strange, but I really did enjoy it.
1: Awesome. Uh, This next one actually comes from Katie. What is your spirit
0: animal? Of course it does. Of course it comes from Katie. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, I think lioness. Um, Like, I... Like, like I like taking care of people. I like, like, like you know, they they go and get the meat. You know, the lioness is like, you just take control. Uh, and I think that is my character. So, like, yeah, okay, I will get a job done and I will look after everybody. And that's naturally who I am. So, maybe that's from being a mom and a coach as well. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I think uh, a yeah, lioness.
1: Very good. All right, my last one here. Within the sport of diving,
0: what is your why? Um, so, the reason I coach, like, my philosophy in coaching is – to like have a positive impact on everybody that I work with and that's what I want out of it and whether that's yeah the divers whether that's the family associated with the divers whether that's the coaches I work with the people that manage the pool like I want to have a positive impact with everybody that I work with
2: that's that's a perfect goal like that's how I we talk to Aaron and I talk all the time I'm like I just want to like leave a positive impact on people like if you do that, like you're a great coach, regardless of all the things that come along with it. Um All right. We kind of touched on this, but if what is your favorite drill? You have to pick one.
0: Oh my gosh. Um, this is, I mean, you guys, <laughs> Um, I guess at the moment like I'm big on there's a lot of hurdle stuff going on in my head so I'm gonna say a hurdle um so uh, like one where you're like standing on a box and you go onto an upside down bosu and you're sort of like moving through the ball and like driving up from that and like stability action so at the moment like yeah something to do with the hurdle so that one at the moment is probably one of them or even just like holding the posture and a slow squat down and upside down both and back up again like so you're sort of challenging balance holding the posture in the right position like tucking your bum under um so yeah so one of those two drills
2: I like that um best advice given and or received
0: um so a coach, an ex-coach of mine who, when I was a diver and I was learning to be a coach and I was losing, I lost a diver to a different club. And he said to me like, a coach is worth a thousand divers. Um, so like you've lost a diver, but you will find others and others will come through. Um, so don't like obsess about that. Like you are worth a thousand divers. So like make new divers, make more divers, like go through that journey with more divers, have more impact on more people. So that for me was like a real standout moment where I was like, okay, yeah, there's a bigger picture out here.
2: I like that one. Um, who would you like to hear us interview
0: next? Great. Well, I'm going to keep banging the female coach drum, uh, <laughs> so um, I'm going to go to Vaninka Arlo. She works in Queensland in in Australia and um, Brisbane Diving Club. Uh, so yeah, go for Vaninka. Great character
2: all right, we'll probably be asking you to help us get us in touch with her. That's the same thing we did with Katie. She's like, you got to give you Jen. And we're like, all right, help us out. And she's like, I already did, just message her. (laughs) So so we're like, all right, perfect. Um, And then what question are we not asking that we should be?
0: Um, If you didn't coach, what would you do?
2: what would be your what would be your answer i love that
0: um i think i would be we were actually talking about this the other day and someone said like a lion trainer that's not me um that's so random um i think i would go i think it'd probably be like something in the army i think
2: what do you think that's just like the organization in you you said you like to be extremely organized and structured do you think that's where that is
0: I think that is. Yeah. And I do like challenging myself. So I I can see that in both those areas. yeah.
2: I love it. Um, Coach, thank you so much for your time. I know it was a little tricky with us getting the time zones figured out. And I can't even imagine with the limited time you already have from coaching and four kids, I have one and it's already challenging enough. So I don't know how you do it. So bless your heart. Um, But thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And best of luck with everything you have going forward.
0: No, great. Thank you very much. And you guys keep going. I'm enjoying listening to these things.
1: Good deal. Well, if you're out there listening, hit us up on Instagram. We are at The Diving Pod. Our email is thedivingpod at gmail.com. Please reach out. Um, again, one of our other sponsors, Cowing Robards. If you need a team online store for apparel, screen printing, embroidery, or it's just a simple t-shirt, please feel free to reach out to myself. Uh, I'd be happy to help you out. If you need an example of an online store, just go to divingpod.itemorder.com. That's our online store for t-shirts, hoodies, hats. Just enter the coupon code DIVEPOD at checkout. That gets you free shipping. So again, I just wanted to say thank you so much, Coach. This was uh, a really, really, really fun experience and nice to get to know you as well.
0: Great, thank you guys.
1: All right, we will see you next time.